0: This is the Risky Mix podcast, where we speak with those people changing the mix in the insurance industry. Sharing their personal
1: journeys, their inspirational stories, and answering the questions we all want answered. You're listening to Raj
0: and Katie. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode.
1: Today on the Risky Mix podcast, we're joined by Alan Thomas and Hassani Jess two of the leading men at Simply Business, a digital insurance broker with a great culture around diversity and inclusion. A successful career in the insurance industry has led to Alan recently taking on the UK CEO role at Simply Business, while Hassani has held senior tech roles in a variety of tech and financial services businesses. He's now CTO at Simply Business, as well as being a diversity champion. The business has developed a number of exciting diversity initiatives, which we'll be able to delve into with these gentlemen today. Thanks for joining us on the Risky Mix podcast today, Thanks. Alan and Hassani. <laughs> Thank
2: you for having us. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure.
1: It's an honour. Um, so, I want to open with a personal question just to break the ice and get to know you a little bit more. Um, what are you passionate about? Maybe we'll start with you, Alan.
2: I knew you were going to look at my <laughs> well, I, I have, was trying to yeah. nudge you towards <laughs> the It's, the side, it's so. because you want to meet us, Hassani. Well, well, in the basis <laughs> of what the podcast is about, the, the single biggest topic that I feel passionate about for this... Is around social mobility mm-hmm. so for me that's pretty much as simple as I get on the train if I get the train in in West Norwoods and I look around at the kids my kids who are very lucky and the kids I go to school with and making sure everybody feels they've got access to the type of environment that we've got simply business or being able to get into those kind of roles isn't working properly today still yeah and um, so for me making sure that access to opportunities um, and you do have to go down to the younger generation to solve their sort of problems is absolutely what I'm passionate about and what will get done at SB. Fantastic.
0: Great, thank you.
2: Yeah, uh, there's so many different things, right, but I
3: think the as a father of four, mm-hmm. um, you you really get an appreciation of um, what mentorship can do and what being a, a guardian and a guide to others can be. And so for me, mentoring is something I'm really passionate about. Okay. Um, Fortunately, now as a senior person, you get to uh, be asked to be a mentor or other senior people too. Mm. But really my passion is about mentoring younger people. So similar to what Alan said really, um, I've been a mentor to young uh, young men uh, for over the last decade. Uh, really, really challenging. It's <laughs> actually yeah. really, really tough. Because they're the only young people that I really have an interaction with other than my children. Yeah. Um, but really rewarding when you see something happen, you see something positive come out of it. So yeah, for me, mentoring, is um, something that I'm really passionate about. Really enjoy.
0: How did you get into mentoring? How did did the, did those young men approach you? Young boys approach you, or, or did that no? Work?
3: So I think it's one of those things that um, you hear about a lot. If you read the leadership books and things of that nature, you hear about mentorship a lot. And mm-hmm. so when I started uh, my leadership career, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, I just thought okay I want to be a mentor what does that mean Um, and it just happened to the organisation I was in Morgan Stanley at the time um, they had a programme with some local schools and I just got involved in that and also went to some local schools and got to speak to some of the kids there Um, and yeah just got involved and ever since then I've been involved with um, young men from my church. So I've been doing that for a number of years um, in a program called Boys to Men, which is about thirteen-year-old boys and helping them to understand what their role in society is and things of that nature. Um, and yeah, going to different schools. We have a great program here, and they probably know about in a number of companies time banking. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm at a school in a couple of weeks' time, um, talking about roles in. Um, uh, careers in technology okay. and with those young people there so for me just giving that exposure
0: yeah.
3: um, and giving back a little bit yeah I love it yeah
0: and Alan so I guess that kind of links to what you said then so making sure that everybody has the same opportunities yeah. how exactly do you do that
2: so well I can talk about some of the stuff we've done at SB and then yeah um I'll talk about some of the stuff I do at home as well so at SB uh, that is Uh, both the sort of work in progress and stuff we've already done, the apprenticeship programmes that we run, and actually Sonny, I'll get him to talk about taking the lead on some (laughs) of that stuff in a minute, is all about making sure that people from different backgrounds can come and get that first foothold. And then we've run a couple of different um, intern and summer programmes for people from different backgrounds who can come and just have a look, basically. So there's a few organisations that we've worked with um, who come and just let young people have a look at what working in the city institution mm-hmm. looks like I think we're often surprised when they turn mm-hmm. up at SB and see
1: the table <laughs> tennis table um,
2: yeah, yeah <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> there is there is work done as well um, so for me that's as much sort of making sure that people can understand and take away some of the mystery sure um, and then obviously the way that we try and make sure that culture is positive around being authentic yeah um, making sure people can really bring themselves fully to work I know that sounds easy to say but making sure that's right does yeah. make it less intimidating for people to come and understand what a, a career could look like here and then I'm not as good as a society so I have delved into the mentoring but through the rugby club that I coach at we've been working with a lot of the local schools okay. to try and encourage kids from all sorts of different um, environments and backgrounds to get into rugby mm. and I do positively believe in the impact sport can have for uh, younger people mm. um, as an outlet but also allowing them to see different types of values and how those can play out so yeah. Yeah. Um, you know yes. I think it's really true that we had last year um,
3: one of those groups of young people coming into the office. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously they think they're coming to an insurance company, but um, they are. and, and then they came suited and booted yeah. in their yeah. very ill-fitting oh. suits. Yeah. Um, so the bought, <laughs> and then they come, come and see our reception, it's like, it's colourful, and people are in jeans, and some people are in trainers. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we look like the ones out of place. Um, because that's the stereotype of what workplace looks yeah. like. Yeah that's what they think. Sure. And some are like that, um, yeah. and that's, 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 that works for them, but it's not
2: everyone's Yeah, exactly. No, and we, we did, um, we worked with a charity, actually, that works with schools from Barking and Dagenham, okay. um, and the sort of statistics that they were sharing with us about the number of those kids who had access to city, um, sort of a profile of what a city job could look like, given that none of their family had worked outside mm. of the borough, yeah. and they had virtually zero idea. Um, And certainly no expectation that they could come and have a job somewhere like sb yeah sure. um so that's sort of a real eye-opener when you understand some of the sort of background of to why those programs are taking place yeah mm.
0: yeah i mean we had a, a young lady on the podcast called chloe and she's coming out of university about to enter the world of work and she was saying that the insurance industry is so daunting and scary because she sees this office and it, yeah. exactly that like yeah. suits and probably no personality and you know all that stuff uh so it's, yeah, it's clearly kind of widespread amongst young people.
1: Yeah. And no sense of the variety of roles in the insurance of financial services industries and different yeah. like, types of things that you can do. It, it is all about that stereotype, that, yeah. you know, very sort of corporate, formal, you need to fit in, yeah. you need to look a certain way, you need to come from a certain background to be able to succeed yeah. is, is I guess, the, the impression that a lot of young people have. Yeah. Um, so just following on from that, in terms of your journeys into into leadership, into positions where you can sort of influence the culture of the business that you work in, what's that been like for, for the pair of you? Do you want me to go first? Go <laughs> on,
2: Alan. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very happy to say I feel like I've been hugely privileged and quite lucky um, that I've always had access but also really enjoyed the work. Yeah. Um, so for me, I started off on a... A trainee program which was designed around leadership um, and I'd always been involved with sports team stuff I always wanted to be um, <laughs> frankly taking charge um, and I knew that that's something I wanted to do is work with teams and yeah. I really really love um, teamwork. Sally and I are both similar on this, They're being part of a great team and having a variety of people around the table, being able to challenge each other as well as get stuff done is a big part of what gets me out of bed. So I started on a trainee scheme, got experience around the insurance industry with RSA. Yeah. Um, so five years there before I went over to Hiscox to run a team of underwriters. I then transitioned through some different roles, including, I don't think you know this, might make you laugh, ahead of the technology media team. Um, really? <laughs> it's a laugh, it's a quiet insuring laugh. technology <laughs> media firms rather than doing the, the tech. Um, and before I started taking on a couple of more senior leadership roles, so I was running the distribution for Hiscox in the UK and Ireland, and the bit that really excites me about all of that is that the, the amount of impact you can have through the culture that you help define so it's yeah. never going to be on one person to be the culture but by setting the criteria in the right way you can really really make it a very different experience for the people that work there and then the outcomes can be completely different. Sure. Um, so I find myself through taking on a commercial role here before taking on the CEO role it's almost quite daunting to think wow the culture is Pretty amazing here. We're looking to take it on to the next level.
1: Mm.
2: That is a big task and it takes up a lot of headspace to figure out the right way to do it. Wow.
1: Yeah, amazing. I
2: have I'm no idea whether that journey. answered your question. You right did, you did.
1: <laughs> it did. Yeah. Very well. Thank you. Uh, that's
3: so, funny. Uh, a little bit different. So, have, has, have you guys read um, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell?
0: No, oh, I, haven't. I haven't. Fantastic book.
3: Definitely recommend that to, to you. So, okay. that's the book It's famous for the 10,000 hours. Thing. Okay. So okay. If you do something for ten thousand hours, that's what makes you an expert. Yep, yep. Right. But the primary um, thing in that book is that the success that we all get, a lot of it is due to do uh, to factors outside of your control. Right. So something else happened that gave you access mm-hmm. um, to be successful in your thing. And for me, that was my mum. Mm.
1: Um,
3: so when I I. When I was younger, I wanted to be a journalist. Okay. Um, until I did work experience at the Hackney Gazette and realised journalism was not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was well, so boring. Was it uh, not, boring? No, right. this is not for so, me. Some people made fun of that's boring, <laughs> but yeah. No, yes. I thought it was going to be out in the streets, finding <laughs> stories, yeah. breaking news. I was like, no, you've got to do Vox Pops and okay. research. So no, that wasn't for me. But my mum was a teacher, and so she used to teach um, uh, typing. And so we had a typewriter at home, and then we got an electric typewriter at home yeah. and then obviously technology moved on and she was teaching word processing so we got a pc uh, at home okay and so that was my journey into technology mm. is that my mum just happened to have a pc that i happened to fall in love with um, and that was the start of my journey and i think wow. that access point that um that you referred to um is so important because mm. if my mum hadn't just so happened to bring home a PC, yeah. and for me to have been able to use it, yeah. I would never have interacted with a PC until yeah, going sure. sixth form and maybe university. Yeah. But I fell in love yeah. with computing then, and then I st- I've had quite a conventional technology career. So I did study um, Comsky and electronic engineering at, at university, and then I got—I um, was really, really fortunate to start my graduate career um, at BT Integra in consulting. I had a consulting, uh, technology consulting career. Um, and then I got married and the, the missus said, no, nope, all this traveling stuff is not for me. Right. <laughs> you need to get a stable job somewhere. And that's where I moved into financial services. Okay, right. um, and I had a really good time okay. in financial services. I think similar to, to Alan, I've, I, th- I feel really fortunate that every step of my career, I've had a really good time.
1: Mm, Each yeah. company
3: has been a really good opportunity um, for me. Um, and then worked in financial services for um, a number of years and then got some opportunities um, to work in different industries so healthcare, um, retail, travel mm. Mm. and then back into InsureTech um, with Simply Business um, and yet having those opportunities to build your career step by step has been a massive thing for, for me and I think that's one of, the, um, one of the keys really is planning out your career I did have a mentor yeah, at okay. one stage um, who helped me to understand how you should plan out your career, how you should be right. thinking about those steps? It's, it's not just randomly taking opportunities um, left, right, and centre, unless that's what you want.
0: Right. Some people yep. do
3: want that, right? Some people right. do want just that random flexibility and. To try stuff
0: out. Just want to try different yeah, things yeah. out.
3: That wasn't for me. I did want a much more kind of structured career path to being um, eligible to work for a great business like. Um, SB um, yeah. and been able to be on a leadership team with someone like Alan and the rest of our our leadership team. So for me, mm-hmm. it's been that type of steady building um, of a career. I think yeah. some in, in in another universe. I would have got a mentor a little bit earlier. I might really? have been able to accelerate okay. things yeah. um, a bit more. Um, but no, so that's that's been it for me.
0: And you're both dads, so do your yeah. and then obviously, yeah, uh, you take a really kind of active mentor role. I mean, do your kids look up at you as senior men in insurance, in insur- tech, and think that's where we want to be? <laughs> 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 no way, it. no way.
2: It's so the big joke I have with my kids <laughs> is that they n- n- three of them and. Like, none of them invited me into the primary school <laughs> get your mum or dad to talk about work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm a little bit insulted, guys, but it is quite fun. So we do bring your kids to work day. Okay. Simon's kids have been better at showing the interest. Mine have stopped wanting to come. They got a bit older, which is sort of fair enough. But I keep saying, look, insurance, actually, I'll leave the sort of social impact that you can have through the insurance which I totally believe in. But if yeah. nothing else, yeah. if you like maths and you like people... It's a great industry because you can really, you can be analytical, but you can also have the breadth of knowing how to sort of bring people with you. Yeah. But they don't buy my dreams.
1: What is it about it that they don't buy?
2: (laughs) They, I, I think there's an element of, I mean, both my parents were teachers, right? So my dad was a master teacher. My mum was a special needs coordinator. Um, I looked at that and I thought, it's very cool, but I don't want to be a teacher. I want to do my own thing. So I think there's a bit of that going on. They don't necessarily want to just follow what dad does. Um, I hope it's that rather than me misselling <laughs> the outside. Um, yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And what about your kids, Hassanu?
2: Uh No, so the mummy
3: is definitely the one that they think is the superstar. Um, and it, it's difficult because when they say, "Oh, Daddy, what do you do today?" and I say, oh, "I went to some meetings." <laughs> <laughs> And they said, okay. And after the meetings, then what did you do? I said, I went to another another (laughs) meeting. They're like, oh, is that is that your job? Um, And so it's 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 sometimes difficult for them to to grasp. Okay, what is the actual job? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. And the reality is, yeah, when you're the senior lead in the business, that's not the job you're going to be exposed to for some time anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
3: But when they did come to the bring your child to work day, uh, they absolutely were in love with the place. They were just like, this is like a drink and it's amazing Um, and it wasn't just because um, the the team here put on an amazing day for them (coughs) which we do every year Um, it was it was really an embodiment of our culture I think that Mm. that thing that Alan and talked about our culture and what we try to do they really fed into that Um, the way that our office is laid out the way that um, they could interact with all the staff here and get to know what they were doing um, and maybe a bit nosy, even if it's a bit annoying. Um, yeah, they absolutely loved it. So that that day was the day that made me a little bit cool in my house.
0: <laughs> uh, they
3: were like, "Oh yeah, daddy's daddy's place is great."
0: Um, Did it I, last for a long time? That belief.
3: It's, I'm still, I'm still you holding still on to that. Me, yeah, I'm okay, still, okay. I'm still I'm still going to that well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think I think we've got another bring your
1: child to work day coming up soon, so we can like, re- refresh it yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. for another twelve months. Top it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: So you've you've clearly got an amazing culture here at, at Simply Business, created by a, a leadership team that believes in it. Um, what I mean, have you got any kind of? What's the impact been? I guess in terms of statistics and numbers, you know, what have you seen a, as a result of kind of building this amazing culture around yeah, diversity so and
2: inclusion? So I pick that one off first. So I mean, in the most basic terms, we are a business, or we're, we're a B Corp, a Benefit Corporation, which means okay. we do try and place um, some more weight on social impact and our people than just focusing on shareholders' returns but we are a business so yeah. the biggest test and outcome in our shareholders eyes is are you growing a business and is it making money sure. and happily he says touching some woods um, we're in a really good growth phase we're an exciting business from that perspective but more importantly to us we do count ourselves a people first business so some of the, for example, we're at sixty percent of our leadership team are now women, okay, which um, is for me that's part of the culture and yeah. that doesn't just happen obviously, but it is not exactly by design. That's just how it is to work here. Um, and you've had some great results with the tech team already. Absolutely. And I, before I get into tech, I think there's also
3: the engagement score, right? So yeah. Okay, our engagement yeah. score is phenomenal. Um, and I know that's an industry thing. Most companies are focused on how do you get more engagement from your, your staff. Um, because not, not only are they going to be happier, um, stuff, but that is going to help us get better results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? So that is a huge piece there. And then, yeah, from a tech point of view, part of our tech strategy is authentic diversity. Um, we do have a goal to have a 30% female representation in our technology team. And there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, one is for high performance, and mm-hmm. we believe diverse teams um, are better performing teams, and having the female representation is a big part um, of that. And the second part, being part of a B Corp, we do have a broader view of our business and our gender uh, gender pay gap, which it, even though in the industry is fantastic compared mm-hmm. to uh, other insurers, um, it's still it's still um, tipped to the side of, of men mainly because of people like me, mainly because of the tech department which is majority men so we skew um, that gender pay gap so for me I wanted high-performing teams anyway I also want to um, focus on um, balancing that gender pay gap Um,
2: and so having more women in our team is a a huge piece for us. And I'm quite to double down on the other personal viewpoint I have is it's really important to show up and have a bit of fun at work. Mm. Fun can mean loads of different things, it can be reward you take from mm. doing a good job, but you've got to make the environment a fun place to be. And frankly, the most fun teams to be a part of are the most diverse teams where you get mm. different viewpoints and you can have some challenge, but you know how to get back together at the end of it. Um, so we, we, <laughs> we often underplay it, but that element of it just yeah. being a good environment, a fun place to okay. be, um, Oh, yeah. And the rest well, of our so. business
3: is so balanced, right? Um, so tech does have special yeah. um, reasons and um, some kind of social reasons for being underrepresented. Um, but yeah. as a business, we are very balanced in the rest of the business it's just in our tech department Mm -hmm. I mean um, a year and a half ago we had uh, about 17% 17, 17-18% female representation which is industry average so we were Mm -hmm. kind of on par Mm -hmm. with the rest of um, technology functions in the industry we've been put a lot of effort in that to to grow that representation in a non-discriminate non-discriminatory way Um, and I was so happy when I was speaking with the leadership team um, in the summer times that yet we're 27% I've been bragging to all (laughs) my all my techie buddies
2: we've got to 27% we're almost at that goal it's a good point we um, when you think about should we have targets or do we measure Mm. our performance with external benchmarks we're more towards the latter yeah um but it's interesting you talk because you are proud of it and rightly you are right because you've done things that have helped that along the way um i'm interested in that anyway the difference between setting yourself cold targets and then having measures which keep you real about doing the right thing um
1: what what do you think is it is that makes us different to or so market leading in terms of hitting those diversity targets and, and being a diverse place to work I mean you guys mm. you, you come from the insurance and the tech industries and they're traditionally industries that have sort of lagged a little bit behind in terms of diversity yeah. what makes us different or makes the leadership team different or the culture different and why isn't that happening faster in mm-hmm. the rest of the industry
2: so I should start yeah. on that one so I think part of it's you can be very deliberate and by you know, signing up for things like um, Women in Finance Charters and having deliberate um, processes around your recruitment. You can obviously influence that way. I do think I level up though the value set of this business which underpins the culture. Mm. Um, I won't talk through all the values but one of them is authenticity and that's probably the one we're absolutely the best at. Um, okay. I often use the word quirky so if you're not used to simply business it sometimes feels a bit quirky around here because mm. people do turn up and probably do fully turn up and i think that for me is a good driver of then encouraging a diverse workforce because um, it doesn't feel daunting if you're not yeah, used to being in yeah. a suit environment yeah, um absolutely. so i think that and then the way that we roll with those values as a leadership team and then as a broader business is a big is a big part of it i'll, I'll double down on that <clears throat> i do think it's a
3: uh, I think it's a top-down thing and it's been a top-down real passion for this business for a number of years so way before my time, even before Alan's, yeah. It's been part of the business that, yeah, we want the whole person um, with all the challenges that can bring and we'll work that out together. Um, and I just think that as people get exposed to that, it's just very attractive, mm. right? So And yeah. it's not just attractive yeah. to minority groups, it's attractive to majority and minority groups yeah. um, when they see it. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's just more begets more. So the more women that we have in tech, it just attracts other women in the tech um, and yeah. they start to operate in a slightly different way, which is more attractive to men who want to operate in that different way but may not feel in the position to ask to work in slightly different ways. So I think that diversity just builds on, on, upon itself yeah. um, and it's very, it's very natural for us it's very natural for us as a business
0: yeah. Yeah, I think the um, authenticity piece is interesting, and and we hear so many of our guests talking about that. And and Steph spoke about it as well, didn't she? Mm. Who we recently recorded with, and um, it just kind of helps you feel more confident. And and also you spend such a, so much of your life at work, so you want to feel like it's fun and that you can be yeah. yourself and you get on with everyone. And otherwise, you know, if you're being if you're wearing that suit and, and not being yourself, it, it gets pretty tiring pretty quickly, yeah. I think.
2: Um, yeah, and then and then the really interesting bit for me is how you make sure that all of that happens yeah. and not everyone gets one all the time. By the no inevitable. No, no, but that's the goal, right? But that around that you make sure that
0: mm-hmm.
2: it you don't go so far that people can be not playing with the rest of the team For in sure. a positive way. Sure. Um, but yeah totally it's a huge part of what we're trying to create and what we want to build out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Alan that you know we're very much in a grow, growth phase at the moment. Yeah. How do we maintain that that culture. Answers on a postcard grow. please rush. <laughs> uh,
2: so we've been quite deliberate about that so for me that's how do we bottle the sort of essence of what the best bits of the Simply Business culture are and then take those with us and maybe leave behind bits mm. that aren't gonna serve us through the next phase. It's pretty hard is the honest answer. Yeah. Um, a because I think it's really difficult to write that down in a sort of two sentence nice pithy little thing is some of the stories that we'll tell each other as we look back um, and the deliberate bits you can definitely take and this is what we're trying to do is say here's the value set yeah. the culture is a bit broader and a bit more dynamic than that so what sort of behaviors do we as leaders want to sort of roll with and that then sets the tempo for everybody around um, and then you've just got to make sure that you're bringing people with you with that so yeah. I'll give you an example. So we've, we've experimented with um, having a not cool list for SB leaders, okay. so we might lose that language or we might not bother. And it wasn't much more common to And look, sometimes if you do too much of this, it really doesn't help other people around you get the best from themselves. Um, so there's, there's a, an element of pointers and helping people understand that. And then there is part of us as leaders really making sure that we live and breathe it, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. It's hard yeah yeah
0: yeah definitely and and for other for people who are listening in who work at other insurance businesses who perhaps haven't taken or haven't quite got the culture um that you guys have here perhaps they're slightly uh, they've been around for a bit longer perhaps uh, um what i mean are there any kind of advice or, or h- hints and tips that you would give to to people who want to kind of influence change and, and make that difference uh.
3: I think what you're asking there are for more traditional
0: yeah, setups. Yeah, um, How do they? How do they evolve? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You've articulated <coughs> it much better. Than and I, yeah. and, and I, I, think there,
3: there, I think there's also a bit that we're evolving too. So we yeah. haven't hit the um, the final mark either. We're sure. evolving, and as we grow and as new people come in, we're evolving. And I, I would say the more traditional companies, they're evolving too, right? Because when yeah. I interact with them. Um, they are evolving, they're getting more flexible, they're, yeah. they're having uh, different approaches to, to problems. But I think, as an industry, insurance is evolving, maybe not as fast as um, some other industries. And as a techie, the tech industry is generally at the forefront of that kind of evolution and change and thing, things like that. Um, but I would just say the, the number one thing is for the leaders to be authentic themselves. Okay. Um, most of the leaders are going to be parents. Right, Mm -hmm. most of them are going to have dependents, um, or have elderly parents, or sick people in their in their Mm -hmm. family, or children. They they have lives, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And just sharing part of that life, their lives, with their people will just change the dynamic, Mm -hmm. right? because then they will stop looking like okay they're just the, uh, the CEO or the CTO yeah. out there who's a super being who has no challenges yeah. and actually they're just a the real person they've yeah. got a, a role that they need to play in this business but they're just a real person so I think any leader can do that any leader can be slightly vulnerable um, with their people by sharing the part mm. of their life and then if they do believe that the change is needed because I think that's the other part do they actually believe change is needed because some leaders might say no my business is actually fine we don't need to change sure. this culture that we have is is what we what we're happy with but if they do think that 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 needs to evolve and that needs to change and move to a new place they should just be brave enough to think okay i'm going to take that first step i'm going to be that example um for my people to operate in this uh, different Mm. way that i think is going to be
0: healthy for us great advice i think great advice
1: yeah and um we touched on the fact that you know the fact that there aren't um you know, as many women in tech as we'd like is, is you know, sort of a, a social thing and it mm-hmm. often comes from sort of the gra- grassroots. In terms of sort of getting your kids into um, a variety of different disciplines and choosing their own paths, how do you sort of provide that guidance?
2: Well, when they listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when, they, when they listen. <laughs> um, so I, let me get, I've got a recent example, actually. So um, Bethan, who's my middle um, one, is um, I was hoping she might choose something like geography or history for one of her GCSE choices because that for me speaks of rounded worldly views Um, but she prefers computer science. Um, Yes. So So, um, for me that's then talking through again I think she's really quite lucky to have options because she's bright enough to consider all different things. But actually, that is then saying, look, find stuff that you enjoy, pursue those things, and then there shouldn't be any judgment about whether that's a STEM subject or not. That's your call. But make sure you're making good choices about the subject and whether you feel Mm
1: -hmm.
2: drawn to the subject rather than worrying about what your mates are doing or what you think might be appropriate for later on. Um, So, yeah, you never know. You might have a new new (laughs) (laughs) training on your answers there. (laughs) Um, yeah I do think for me that's about doubling back and thinking about make good choices for you around what you enjoy and what you feel sort of drawn towards and might have a passion for because um, we all know that's going to help you over the yeah. course of your life you, you put yeah. in the 10,000 hours if you enjoy it yeah um, that's my approach yeah. I and it's a really from a tech point of view is a really um,
3: interesting challenge because I've got three daughters of three of four are girls um, and when you go to their schools the girls, they smash every subject. So they are fantastic at history, they're fantastic at English, they're fantastic at Latin, they're fantastic at maths. So they're good at all of the subjects. Mm. And then when it comes to that choice at the end, they say, actually, I'm not gonna do the technology thing. Mm. I'm gonna do what my dad wanted, which is history or medicine or something like Mm. that. that. Um, So for whatever reason, they've got the same capabilities with the fundamentals as their male counterparts, but they make different choices at the end. Having said that, what we have seen um, in the last uh, last five or so years in the industry is people transitioning careers. Right? So they may have chosen to go and be a musician or a teacher um, or some other profession. But actually, technology has changed yeah. to be in a place where people can transition into it without having to go through... Um, the same kind of foundational education that I did. So you don't need to go to university to become a software engineer. Mm. You can go to a boot camp and do something else. You can become an apprentice um, and join a software organization, which is the type of thing that we're doing on, okay, how can we get access to a larger talent pool um, rather than saying, okay, every person in this has to go through this same path, which is gonna take them five years before they come out at the end of that pipe and they're now useful. Can we fast track that and get access to a wider pool? And I think that is where apprenticeship schemes um, today are really, really accelerating. Um, People getting into technology and other fields, but really into technology um, in a very special way that we've not had access to before and that has been a a massive pipeline to get women involved Mm. so mums who were doing something else now becoming software engineers um, people who are like i said musicians or teachers or doctors or just completely different fields Mm -hmm. of of expertise transitioning uh, to become technologists and starting their career and therefore you get a completely different demographic of individual from career changes When you're looking at uh, technologists who've done the career path like myself, you just get a very um, uh, mechanistic type of profile of of individual. They are going to be the majority men because they've made those choices earlier on in their education and they've gone to university and they've made those decisions. When you get career changes, that's anybody. Yeah. And there's anybody who couldn't say, actually, I'd really like to get involved in that software yeah. engineering um, field. They get paid more than me as well, and they've got this <laughs> flexibility,
2: and I will get to work for Simply Business. Why on earth Why would I not, not do it? Right, right. Right. Other careers are available. <laughs> um, so I'm just reflecting on that, because you're right, actually, but we've got a couple of people who were teachers now in tech and data roles, actually. That's what i was saying. Other oh, careers are available. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> taking, taking some top talent out of the teaching professions to come and work for us. Um, yeah, I think the other thing is slow, isn't it? But I do see with my kids noticeable, even at primary school now, the, the attempts to sort of show some role models, and it might be a London-centric view of this, but actually to show, and um, people going into schools, to show that people from all walks mm. of life Yep. whatever gender can actually tackle different types of roles mm-hmm. I can see that happening so I'm hoping that is starting to change some of the really early stuff um, yeah. I just think it's we're at the beginning really of making it clear and obvious that it, what difference it make mm. yeah. who, who you are you can study physics if you want it
0: yeah yeah Uh, yeah I I love actually what you said about technology kind of facilitating moves between careers because you make you're kind of forced to make these decisions when you're in school about what you're going to study and what you want to be when you grow up and you've got to know and I mean of course you're going to actually get there and think this isn't actually what I wanted to do and I want to move and it's so true like the barriers have come down quite a bit haven't they to allow us that movement between and it's it's great Absolutely. Yeah,
3: I think as businesses grow, we need more, and we need that right yeah. type talent. The same in um, I, I do focus obviously on technology, being the techie in the in the team. But Alan's yeah. right; most of the departments need more. Yeah, yeah. And we want more people, and we have to be more flexible in okay. How do we help people to express themselves in, in that career?
0: Guys, I think we've reached the end of the podcast. It's all over. It's all over. No, just no, just, just, just right. getting going. Get <laughs> well, you're welcome back whenever you want. <laughs> no, um, like do a round two. <laughs> thank you both you're for welcome. giving us your time. It's been Pleasure. really, really good to chat. And uh, yeah, like like we said, please come back. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks,
1: both.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so via our Twitter account at Risky We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. And if you know any inspirational women in the industry who you think would be great for the Risky Mix podcast, please get in touch. See you next week.